The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Innistrad is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Innistrad today. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 78 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. And I'm a world-weary big head Joe. <laughs> uh, we have a pretty pretty packed episode here. We're, uh, we're going to talk quickly about Standard and the Grand Prix and Yu Yu Watanabe's win uh, this past weekend. Uh, but, you know, Standard, that's old news. We have Innistrad to talk about. And then the uh, second half of the episode is an interview with Pat Cox, who uh, the, the wildest Nakadal. I think, uh, as people know him as a pretty, uh, pretty big fan of Zudex, and uh, by special request from Tim McLaren, we had Pat Cox on the show. So that's in the second half of the episode. Uh, but before that, let's uh, let's talk all this other news. First off, let me tell you about my week because I don't know anything about the Grand Prix. Okay, I don't know a single thing about what happened. So you're gonna have to tell me. Okay, uh, I'm gonna be learning tonight. Um, Why so, don't you know anything about the Grand Prix? What did you lose your power? Was there a yes. hurricane? Yes, Saturday night there was a hurricane, and um, and our power went out. So uh, the new episode of Doctor Who that I've been waiting for all summer. Uh, started at 9 o'clock, and I was like, all right, awesome. Ten minutes in, I get a phone call. I pause it. It lasts an hour. Then Travis goes, I'm going to go grab us some beers. And he goes and grabs some beers, and he comes back. I'm like, okay, I rewinded. I started over. Halfway through, power cuts out. I was like, great. So didn't even hit record on the DVR because I assumed we were just going to watch it. So cuts out, and I'm like, okay, great. Well, hopefully it will pop back on. And it didn't pop back on until – Yesterday, which was Monday, uh, for those of you who are not, you know, actually traveling back through time to listen to us live, uh, Monday around six o'clock, our power came back on. It was out for for about forty four hours. Um, we played a lot of Stratego and Magic by candlelight, um, and I have asserted my dominance in this house as the Stratego master. Um, but of course it was just, you know, one-on-one me versus Travis. So I'm sure Tim will come over Thursday and whoop me up pretty good because I'm playing the same copy of the game that Tim and I used to play at my grandmother's house 20 years ago. So like, I still have all the pieces. I don't know. I don't know how I have all the pieces, but I do. Um, and it's kind of awesome. It's actually a a 41 year old copy of Stratego. Um, that's kind of crazy. Isn't that awesome? It's, yeah. It says 1970 on it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So anyway, so power went out. Sunday night, we had a bat in our house. How did a bat get in your house? It just You just noticed it was in there? Like what? I don't know. I was in the other room making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like you do when your power is out for, for two days. Um, and uh, – and I heard something rustling around upstairs. And Travis is like, what was that? I'm like, dude, go find out. You know, like, I'm like, I'm in here making sandwiches. I don't want to go. Go, go, go. So, like, 
He runs upstairs. He's like, I think there's a bat up here. And I come running upstairs. He's like, get the flashlight. I come running upstairs with the flashlight. I mean, it smelled like a movie, man. And, like, I'm shining the flashlight. I shine the flashlight down the hall, and there's the bat just chilling up in the corner, like, on our, like, like on our door frame. And I'm like, what is, like, why is there a bat in our house? And he's like, Travis, just, like, get the shovel. <laughs> <laughs> so so I run outside. There's a shovel on our front porch. I grab the shovel. I run upstairs. And, and like, there's, like, this chair in our hallway. So you can't really get down the hallway because there's a third bedroom that, like, is just full of just crap that someone else who lived here left behind. And we haven't got it out yet. So we had to move this chair out. So he moves his chair out and he goes down the hallway with the shovel and a flashlight. And I'm shining the light. And then I turn around. I'm like, it's right behind us. And like it was like just like on the wall, like between the two door frames. So Travis like grabs. He's like, give me the shovel. So, like, I handed the shovel. He's like, keep the light on him. So I keep the light on him. I hide behind the, the, the wall. And I'm just shining the light behind the wall. And, like, and he just takes the end of the shovel and just goes, smack! Just one good, like, thrust. And he's just like, oh, my God! And I'm like, what, what? And I come around. He nailed that bat. Perfect shot. It couldn't have been more perfect. I mean, like, I f- we feel bad, obviously, but, you know, at that point, with no power, I'm not going to sleep with a bat flying around my house. And let's be fair, I- we left the front door open for 15 minutes to let that blind sucker try to find his way out. But, uh, of course he couldn't, and there was no way we were going to corral a bat in the dark. Like, no. So, it had to die, you know? I'm sorry. Well, if you were an intruder in our house the same thing would probably have happened in that situation uh but it was just a bat uh but we smashed him against the wall so you, his- you had to you had to kill it before your opponent's upkeep where they could play black black and two and transform screeching bat into stalking vampire is that what you're trying to get at are you trying to uh, transition us into the next part of our conversation? No, I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> that was brilliant. No, that was great. So, uh, so yeah, Innistrad spoilers. Uh- <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's put the put the spoilers on hold for just a second, just because happened at the grand prix because i had no access to internet my phone died i had to give my phone to my friend to go charge over another friend's house so i even had access to like my phone i didn't have it for like a whole day and no first world problems right but still like it was my only contact with the outside world with no power yeah so um so tell me what happened well basically grand prix pittsburgh was this past weekend it was standard yuya watanabe uh, makes his third consecutive finals appearance in a Grand Prix. He won the last one and won this one. Like, I don't know how, like, these players just get so hot and just uh, and just go on these tears. But, like, Yuya Watanabe, 2-0 in the finals over uh, Lucas Musial. Definitely kind of a, a cool-looking uh, top eight. Patrick Chapin in the top eight playing Rug Pod. Nice. Uh, Florian Pills playing a uh, just a basically goblin kind of mono-red deck with uh chandra's phoenix and goblin guides ember hauler uh so mono red kind of red deck wins kind of thing uh joel uh joel larson playing a, a caw blade variant uh with the actual blade um unlike some of the call go decks that we've been seeing recently uh, courtesy of jerry thompson uh harry corvisi playing 
another uh, another mono red red deck wins kind of deck. Matt Nass not playing elves, although that's what I think of every time I see his name. Uh, he was playing the the Splinter Twin combo. Max Teets, who uh, who shows up a lot on the Star City circuit, he was playing more of like a uh, a Cobblade variant that's the uh the more aggressive version with like hero of blade hold um yu yu watanabe wins playing Callblade, beating lucas musial in the finals who was playing tempered steel so uh as i said earlier like it's uh standards almost done with like this is the end of this format and uh we're gonna be welcoming in a whole new set and pushing out a whole chunk of cards uh going forward, you know, at the end of this month, and it's kind of going to all change. So, speaking of the new set, Innistrad spoilers have uh, have kind of exploded all over the internet this past sure weekend. <laughs> uh, we had the PAX party, which I know I mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, saying, you know, at the previous PAX parties, we, we got a lot of spoilers, and this one was no different. Um, we They, they kind of dropped a bombshell on us with the... Uh, with these double-faced cards. Um, yes. So, uh, spoiler warning. Sorry, that was a little bit of a late spoiler warning. <laughs> Everybody um, should know about the double-sided cards. But yeah. No. So, Well, all the cards are double-sided, even the ones we've been playing since uh, since Alpha. But <laughs> double-faced cards. Now, that's something True. that totally new. So th- this rumor came out, actually, at the end of last week, uh, after we recorded last week's episode, after you recorded with Alex. Um, and... Uh, there was a rumor of cards that looked like they were going to like somehow transform, like somehow they were going to flip over becoming something else. And I know I was one of the people – I don't know that I tweeted about it. I think I, I did question it slightly in a conversation on Twitter, but uh, you know, it just didn't seem like it was possible. Like how could they, how could they do that? Like how, why would they ever make people pull cards out of their sleeves and flip them over? You know, how would you draft if there is no magic card back? Um, but apparently it's true. So Sure is. So I guess, did you, like, how much of this have you seen considering you didn't have any power? I've seen all the spoilers. Okay. Travis pulled up all the spoilers on his phone for me. And, like, we were looking at them and talking about them because there wasn't much else to do. So <laughs> we definitely were doing that. Um I, I've I've seen I'm I'm caught up and like that's one of the things I did look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, mon- like last night when I got my internet back was the spoiler list and I did kind of look at that a little bit more. Um, so I'm caught up on spoilers. I know what's out, um, you know, and I know that I like a lot of it. I think it's pretty neat. I mean, some stuff remains to be seen. Some some of the cards aren't. I mean, you know, with flashback spoilers, I guess we already said spoilers, Yeah. <laughs> but like with flashback, obviously on the cards, they're going to make them a little weaker. You know what I mean? But like well, some the, of the, the stuff cards with flashback, you mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some ahead. of the stuff, I don't know, like some of this doesn't feel as powerful as I would like it. But I think that we're also earlier in the se- early in the season, and I think that like you know let it let it all resolve. You know what I mean? Let everything shake out before you make judgments about the entire set. Yeah, definitely. You um, know, and, and some of the cards I like though, I like a lot. Can I talk about one of them right now? Sure. Mentor of the Meek. This was Gavin's preview card, right? Mm-hmm. I love this card. Well, uh, it's tell a me white, what it does. Yeah. It's a white and two. It's a human soldier. It's a rare. It's a two two. 
Whenever another creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one. If you do, draw a card. That is awesome. Like, I really like that. I like the fact that it works in my Soraya the Falconer commander deck. I like the fact that it's going to be fairly relevant and standard. It actually seems like a good card um, to go along with Tempered Steel. All right. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Stop. Let me stop that thought right there. When it enters the battlefield, is it all? It's already a temper seal's already applied. Is that correct or no? Somebody will somebody will answer yeah. on Twitter on Friday. So yeah, there's no point where you can like respond to it getting that bonus. Um, right. So actually, with tempered steel, it might not be that good. Yeah. Um, but with something like a pure steel paladin deck, or or something, just some sort of you know aggro strategy, low casting cost stuff like. It seems like a pretty cool ability to have. I don't know. I like it. I, I just It just stands out to me. It's a white card that has the words draw a card on it. Yeah. Which I like. So, um, I mean, obviously, like, white weenie strategies, which are, you know, traditionally present, you know. Right. It just, it just seems like a card that's dying to be put into a deck. Right. I, I could see why it would be something you'd be interested in because I know you've always kind of liked aggro decks and even like weenie stra- – <clears throat> excuse me, weenie strategies um, kind of thing. So like I can see where it would it would be definitely something that you would want to uh, give a shot. And it seems, seems pretty like – it seems like something you would want to consider. You know, like uh, I don't know if it's like definitely makes the deck but being able to cantrip all of your creatures for one more uh, – seems really strong now is it strong enough to set yourself back uh you know as far as like set your development back because you just want to be able to cantrip every turn i don't know um but it's definitely something worth considering um let's uh quickly just give you guys like an overview of what you probably already know about but like the double face cards um we we mentioned them but we didn't actually mention the specifics like here's one uh, basically what it is is they're, they're creatures that kind of or, – or at least cards. At this point, I think we've only seen creatures that do this, but there's potential for other things and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, when a certain condition is met, they transform – you flip them over into something else. And then when another certain condition is met, they flip back. So here's an example, Gatstaff Shepherd. It's a 2-2 for a green and 1, so it's just kind of a grizzly bear, except it's a creature human werewolf. It's an uncommon. Yes! Um, at the beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, transform Gatstaff Shepherd. And so when that happens, he flips over and is a 3-3 creature werewolf with Intimidate. And at the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, transform Gatstaff Howler. That's that's the name of the card once it transforms. It's Gatstaff Howler. So it's the Shepherd transforms into a Howler. Uh, it's it's supposed to represent day and night for the werewolves here, like uh, Gatstaff Shepherd, obviously, during the day. And um, the, the trigger, as far as, like, flavor-wise, this set is, like, dripping with flavor more than anything I've ever seen as far as uh, a set. But... The uh, the idea is at the beginning of, beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, it's like, hey, it's nighttime. Like nothing happened last turn. People are dormant. There's you know no no activity, so it must be nighttime. So transform in the night. It's, now it's nighttime. Now if somebody casts two spells, oh, they're awake. It, it's daytime. 
flip it back into the to the day side kind of thing. So it's like kind of crazy how they were able to fit that in. And you know, one thing I didn't actually think about with these cards until mm-hmm. just because what I was going to bring up is that it seems awkward that some things might be transformed and some things might not be. It's like, how can it be night some places and day like in the same place on the battlefield? Mm -hmm. You know, but actually now that I'm actually thinking about it, there, most of the transform cards that we've seen, um, would all flip at the same time. Right. Like the ones that do like that kind of thing. Well, it still is actually going to be, I think there's still going to be night and day cards on the same at the same time, which is a little bit awkward now that you well, mention there, it. Like, here's another one. Well, there will, though. Go ahead. Oh, no, well, there will, but you're going to talk about Civilized Scholar? Well, that was one of the ones that was in front of me, yeah. Yeah, well, well that's a good point, though. But, like, with Civilized Scholar, there read, are different... Read that. Con- yeah. Okay, so Civilized Scho- Scholar is a blue and two. He's an O one human advisor. He's an uncommon. Tap. Draw a card, then discard a card. If a creature card is discarded this way, untap Civilized Scholar, then transform it. Um, and uh, I want to I wanna read the, the, the flavor text on this side. Me? Angry? Of course not. Thanks to my research, I'm above such petty emotions now. And then on the other side, he's homicidal brute. <laughs> and he's a 5-1 human mutant. At the beginning of your end step, if Homicidal Brute didn't attack this turn, tap Homicidal Brute, then transform it. And, and it's, then it's the red, flavor, by the way. And it's red. That's right. It goes from blue to red. And then the flavor text on that side is, for a moment, his basis desires run free, unshackled by reason or conscience. I just think that's like really, really cool. Um, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, but I think the cool thing about this is he's not tri- – like. It's day-night with this card, like, technically, Uh but he's not transforming because of day-night. He's transforming uh, because of whatever thing he does. Right. But then if he doesn't attack, like, you know what I mean? He needs to to draw blood or he's going to just turn back. Right. It's almost like they have the little symbols, like, on the top left of the card, in front of the card's names, they have a symbol for day or night uh, on these kind of transform mechanic cards, but... It doesn't always necessarily mean that it's day or night. It's or it's not day and night that necessarily transforms all of them. Like the whole thing is, the werewolves can't control it. It's kind of like if it's night, they just transform, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. And the where and that's that's what I'm noticing now. Just going through the whole thing is the werewolves all have that no spells, two yeah. spells uh, condition. Which is really cool. <laughs> like it's just amazing flavor wise. Like the all the werewolves will transform at the same time. That's that's what happens with the werewolves. And uh but other cards can transform kind of depending on what you uh you know, what you do. Like in this one where it's like, well, I'm not gonna attack him, I'd rather have the, the scholar back, you know? And um then there's another one like and I kind of mentioned it earlier with the uh the screeching uh, screeching bat comment. The screeching bat is uh, uh, uncommon. It's a two-two flyer for a black and two creature bat. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay two and two black. If you do, transform screeching bat. And uh, the other side is stalking vampire, which is just a five-five, not a flyer, but a five-five. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay 
two black and two if you do transform stalking a vampire. So in this case, you the, the vampire gets to choose. Like, do I want to be a bat or do I want to be, uh, you know, a vampire? I guess the vampire doesn't choose. It's not floral spasm, but you get to choose <laughs> which uh, which it is. But it, it's kind of like it's not a day or night thing. It's like, a, hey, vampires have the ability to transform into bats. You know, in in that kind of genre, in the horror genre, they do. So like that's that's really awesome flavor wise. Like it's completely different kind of transformation. And then the other another example is Ludovic's test subject, which is um an O three. It's a rare, a blue rare, O three for blue and one creature lizard defender. And in the art, there's like an egg, kind of like in a lab. Um, pay a blue and one, put a hatchling counter on Ludovic's test subject. Then if there are five or more hatchling counters on it, remove all of them and transform it. And when it transforms, it's Ludovic's abomination. It's a 13-13 trample, and that's it. It can't go back into its egg. You know, it can't transform back into the egg, but it's basically like you're running tests on it. You're pumping mana into it, and eventually it's going to hatch from that egg, and uh, and it, you can't put it back. Can I ask you a question? How much do you love this card? What this Ludovic's test subject? Do you love this card or I what? I think it. I think it's pretty pretty awesome. Like I think the fact is, it's an O three defender for for a blue and one, kind of reminiscent of something like uh, Wall of Omens, right? Wall of Omens was an O four and it drew you a card. Obviously, that's really good. It gives you the uh, gives you its bonus right away. But having this around to just pump mana into when you don't happen to do anything like i i think this is pretty awesome like i can block a two drop with it uh but if it's just sitting there and i'm like not doing anything with my mana i just pump it up you know what i mean yeah. like, pump, pump put counters on it it's, it's kind of like a it's strangely like a level uh leveler effect like we had in rise of the eldrazi except you can do it at instant speed which those of you who have been playing for a few years will recognize as, like, figure of destiny, right? Right, and, you know, like, like this card, I, as soon as I saw this card, I was like, Joey loves this card. I was like, I was like, he can hold up counter magic, and then he can put mana into this, and then he can have a giant win condition. Like, it just seems like, this, like I'm going to have to lose to this card a lot in the next year sitting across the table from you. I just have a feeling that's at least going to happen Ten times, I don't know. Well, it's definitely something I love. I, I, I'm certainly going to consider it. Kind of like I said about the white weenie card. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence. It's very vulnerable. Like, it, it's cool. Like, it's just like a wall, and uh, you know, and then it flips into this crazy thing. And I mean, it, it's pretty awesome. It's going to cost you ten mana total to flip it, and so twelve mana total to uh, to actually get the thirteen thirteen trampler if you include the casting cost of the original card, but. Uh, being able to split that up makes it definitely worth the consideration. And, uh, of course, if they can't kill it, I mean, just like levelers, it's kind of like, go ahead, pump all your mana into it. And then I'm just going to kill it before it matters. So I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you spend all this mana. So like, I guess it really depends on how much, uh, how much you need a mana sink at the end of your opponent's turn. Like if you're leaving up a lot of counter magic, if that's the kind of format we have, which of course I'm, I would love. Uh, I would would love to be playing in a format where I can play a deck that just leaves up mana. Like, this will be awesome. But let me mention this other card, which was only just spoiled today uh, at like 8.30. So just a couple hours ago. And this so far is my favorite card in the set. I don't even know if you've seen this, Joe. I haven't. It's uh, it's French, so it's been translated from French. 
but there's a picture of it. Um, the art's awesome. It's a 1-1 one, one for a blue and one creature human rogue. Hexproof, unblockable. Uh, and it's an uncommon. I love this. Like, it's a great win condition for a control deck where you're just like, if you can control the game for a long time, or if you or put something like if there were like good equipment around. Like, remember when they had swords in standard? Um, that seems pretty sick <laughs> because it's hexproof. It's not shroud. So you pick, give this guy a sword, or put him in a batter skull, and uh, suddenly he's pretty tough to deal with. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the hexproof is huge. I love this. Like that is real. Yeah. I mean, like it sounds so simple, but I mean, like you think about something like squadron Hawk that people laughed at when it first was spoiled, you know, like, Oh, look at these birds flying around. They're so lame, you know? And then all of a sudden it was like, Hey, guess what? You're going to have to play against this card every day for the rest of your life. (laughs) You know, like it's, it's, crazy like the like you just said the hex proof is what is huge about this because a lot of times people aren't blocking anyway and and squadron hawk again like you, your example people weren't blocking it had flying it may as well have unblockable unless somebody's playing squadron hawks of their own you know but uh you know in this case like it's you can't decide to block it and you can't spot remove it you have to you know, use something like Pyroclasm or Day of Judgment or Slagstorm or something. And depending on what equipment is on it, I mean, you put a batter skull in this thing, it's a 5-5 five, five hexproof, unblockable, vigilance, lifelink. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Day of Judgment is pretty much the one of the only answers. You need, like, unconditional sweeper kind of things. Um, you know, a Black Sun Zenith is going to cost a lot more. Uh, something like Life's Finale will work. But, like, I don't know. I think this guy is awesome. This is the kind of card that I feel like I designed a million times in my head, you know, where you're just <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, oh, I have this cheap, unblockable creature. Awesome, except that they could just kill it. Or, like, oh, I have this cheap shroud creature, but, oh, they could just block it. You know, like, it, it's like I'm looking at a, looking for a really resilient win condition in a control deck and something that, I can, that kind of protects itself. So I don't have to worry about protecting it. And, um, I can use like my counter magic on more important things. And like, this is perfect. And the artwork just really pushes it over the top for me because if it had bad artwork, I'd probably be less, well, I'd, I'd not, it wouldn't feel as good to play it, but I love the artwork. It's kind of got a guy. It basically looks like the invisible man, which is, which is really cool. Where are you seeing this? It's on, uh, MTG salvation. So let me, uh, I'll send you the link. Oh yeah. Cool. It looks like he's flashing somebody. <laughs> it kind of does. That's hilarious. He's flashing somebody. It's like, yeah, well, that was pointless. You are invisible, dude. <laughs> that's, there... what this, that's what this French flavor text says. Yeah, it probably does. Yeah, I know you're trying to show off your junk, but nobody can see it. <laughs> probably not the first time you've heard that in your life. Oh my gosh. All right, so uh we only have a few more minutes before we get to our interview with Pat Cox. Favorite artwork ever. It's really awesome. This is a guy <laughs> It's like a pirate. It's like an invisible pirate flashing uh, nobody. Like cuz there's nobody there. It's another invisible man. <laughs> He's practicing. He's yeah, it's like <laughs> it's flashing practice. That's what this card is. 
Why doesn't it have flash then? It says Pistir Invisible. <laughs> it's uh, Invisible Stalker is the uh, translation of it. And the uh, the actual flavor text is, what bothers me is the vampire sense of smell and those icy Nephalian nights. Um, I like my text better. Yeah, yours is better. So, like I said, we only have a few more minutes till we get to our Pat Cox interview. So, uh, we'll be delving more into these spoilers uh, in, in the next few episodes, absolutely. But I wanted to highlight just a couple other cool things about this set. Uh, we have flashback back, uh, as we've said in other... Uh, in, in a previous episode, um, we've got a new keyword for an old ability, which is fight. Um, old abilities like contested cliffs, where you would have uh, two creatures, basically like one creature would deal its deal damage equal to its power to another target creature, and then that creature would do the same. Uh, now that the keyword for that is fight, so it's like these two creatures fight. Which fight is. is- is so elegant and awesome to me. It is. It really it makes sense. Like I think I probably used that word a million times anyway when I was playing with contested cliffs. Like I'm gonna like, make this fight, guy fight, fight fight these guys, make these guys fight. Right. So uh, there's that. There's curses which are enchant players, and uh, you know we've we've had enchant players before, but basically it, here's here's the example, the spoiler they gave us. Curse of the Bloody Tome. It's a blue and two. It's a common enchantment or a curse. So it's actually called a curse in the uh, in the the card type. Um, enchant player at the beginning of enchanted players upkeep that player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard so like it's kind of like i put a curse on you that that's awesome like that's so flavorful there's i've never seen a set that is this flavorful and then there's morbid which is a new keyword uh for a new ability and it's uh the it's basically if something died, if a creature died this turn, something happens. So the example here, Hollowhenge. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. Reaper from the Abyss, please. Oh, 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 I forgot. Where, where is it? You read that one because it's not okay. in front of me. It's so much better. It is. Reaper from the Abyss is uh, Mythic, one of the two Mythics we've had spoiled. Adam uh, spoiled this. Adam Staborski spoiled this yesterday in his article. Uh, and it's three black and three, and it's a six-six flyer. Uh, creature Titan. No, I'm kidding. It's a demon, but it might as well be, say, Titan with flying. Morbid. At the beginning of each end step, if a creature died this turn, destroy target non-demon creature. Yeah, that seems pretty ridiculous. That's I mean, a really good card. <laughs> it's awesome, too, because it's each end step, not just yours. And right. it just keeps happening. Like, if I kill something of yours, I'm killing something else of yours. Um... And also, we had a really awesome reprint in the set, uh, Blazing Torch. It's one to play. It's artifact. <laughs> Equipped creature can't be blocked by vampires or zombies. Equipped creature has tap, sacrifice, Blazing Torch. Blazing Torch deals two damage to target creature or player. Equip one. Awesome. So, yeah, so that's the reprint we've had spoiled. There's another one. There's, Which an, one? there's another very flavorful reprint. That one's really flavorful itself. It's kind of like, oops, why did we put this out in Zendikar? Uh, we should probably have saved it for Innistrad. It's perfect. But uh, I, I think at the time they didn't have – who knows how, where they were in the plans of Innistrad when they put this card in uh, Zendikar. But anyway, uh, this other reprint, very, very, very relevant right now uh, for Modern. And now it's going to be awesome because we're going to have it in Standard with even better art is Ghost Quarter. Which, Ghost Quarter's getting reprinted? Yeah. I know. I, I knew you know. I knew, I, I knew you knew. I know you I'm, knew. That's I'm just pissed. I'm pissed that it, they didn't reprint it 
before Pyromancer Ascension rotated at a standard because I really want to play Ghost Quarter with Archive Trap. Right. <laughs> you just play it in modern. Yeah, I could, but I mean, like, I really want to. I mean, it's just such. It's so great to be like, yeah, search your library. Oh yeah, archive trap. Like, because it's like, man, if only I had a way to make someone search their library. Because if they know, they're not going to crack their fetches. If they know, they're not even going to search for the land. So, Ghost Quarter is wasteland in that situation. Like, right. it's, it's so good in that situation where they know I can't search my library. Well, you just p- build an archive trap deck uh, in modern with Ghost Quarter and Path to Exile. Or Ghost Quarter with Aven Mind Sensor is pretty good too, huh? Sure, why not? But I figured Ghost Quarter with Path to Exile is better. It's like all your paths are like better than Swords to Plowshares and all your Ghost Quarters are Wastelands un- unless they want to get trapped. And of course, uh, that's that's not something they want to happen. I don't know. Uh, very cool that they reprinted it and the artwork's really sick. It's an uncommon. Um, another thing that is pretty big news about this set is that we have the M10 duels being reprinted in enemy colors. So we have uh, Isolated Chapel, which is the black-white land, so it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a plains or swamp. And they have those for all the enemy colors. We have the red-blue one, we have the blue-green one, uh, red-white one, and a green-black one. So that's awesome. So very, very cool that we're getting those. And um, yeah, Again, again, it's... To me, like, I'm, I'm really glad they're printing them, and I think they'll really create some interesting mana bases. But I'm a little, I'm a little sad. I'm not disappointed because it's fine, but I'm just a little sad that they didn't print these in M12, mm-hmm. so we could have like a couple months of being able to play these pretty solidly enemy color mana bases with the fetches and the corresponding duels, but. Yeah, it is what it is, and uh, I think it's really cool that they're printing them, and better late than never. I think mana bases are pretty easy to construct right now. Like, pretty much, you can almost play any colors that you want uh, pretty easily. So, um, it's cool that we're getting these here. I think it's it's pretty awesome, and I, I think uh, I think we're likely to see these again reprinted in the future, but maybe just not as often as the uh, as the friendly colors. You know, the, the uh, why can't I think of the word? Is it? It's not friendly color. Ally colors. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, not as often as the ally colors. All right. So we're gonna uh, before we wrap up and head into our interview, I uh, want to just ask you, like, what do you think about this? The, the double sided cards, like, as far as like playing with them. I think it's gonna be a little awkward. Um, it's gonna be really awkward to draft with these cards because you're going to have to basically hide them behind another card so people don't know what card it is. And if you, like, draft the card, you're going to have to, like, slap it under your thing so people don't go, oh, yeah, saw what he drafted. Yeah, or you just, you know, leave it all hang out and let everybody see exactly what you drafted. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like basically signaling, are, and yeah, that is true. It's actually some pretty solid signaling, yeah. and I know that like half the people who draft are like, especially like at F and M and stuff, are dying to like shout the cards they draft. You know, <laughs> like so it's kind of a way for those people to just get it out of their system, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that seems like that, that was a problem though that I didn't necessarily uh, foresee. You know. Um, 
it's just very it seems really awkward to me in in almost every like that's awkward in drafting then it's awkward if you're like playing all right now now i built my draft deck and i drafted one of these now i either play in sleeves which is fine i'll put i'll sleeve up the deck and then when i have this card i have to pull it out of the sleeve and flip it over like this is, I, I know that's dumb to be worried about but like that's that's just an, a minor annoyance that you're just adding to the game where it's like i need to i, I don't like r- pulling my cards out of my sleeves and not, it has nothing to do with protecting the cards as much as it i just don't like the physical action of de-sleeving a deck it drives me nuts it i i to the point where i have you know multiple play sets of expensive cards because I don't want to have to switch them between decks because I don't like pulling my cards out of sleeves, putting them in another sleeve, pull them back out, put them back in. Like that's annoying to me. That's a very just it's an annoyance, and that's maybe it's just me, but this is I'm giving my opinion. I'm not really giving everybody's opinion here, but that's right. really annoying to me. Like to have to do that. I'm sure I'll get used to it. It'll be fine well, if I even always, play with these cards. You can always play with the checklist. That's card. the other. That was where I was going. Like so, that's that's awkward. Or. I can play with this ugly checklist card, which is, again, like, uh, you know, I can play that in the sleeve or out of the sleeve because the checklist cards have the magic card back. So you don't have to have sleeves. You just have this in your card as, like, a proxy. But you have to, like, mark it, you know, which card. You have to, like, put a little check or something in a, in a little box to say which card it's supposed to represent because the checklist card has all the list of all the uh, the transform cards. But, like, that's ugly to me. And, and I started playing this game because I thought – that artwork work looks neat. I want to play this game because of the artwork. I'm not playing with an ugly checklist. Like, it's ugly. <laughs> I probably will, and here's why. I've bought about 10 packs of sleeves from Star City in the last two months, uh-huh. and they're all matte, ultra pro, red sleeves mm-hmm. that aren't completely opaque. Like, you can slightly see the magic back in them, and I'm not buying new sleeves just to play with these right. cards. Right. So, well, I know, and that's, so I'll I mean, be playing with the checklist cards for the time being. Um, I here's something significant that I don't know if too many people have been talking about. We have our first ever tournament legal proxies. Yeah, pretty much. Which is really, really interesting to me, and and really makes me think, like, how far could they take that in the future? You know, especially with things like legacy allegedly still being popular and and vintage maybe not wanting to die. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I would think that, you know, there might be some way down the line for them to allow proxies in sanctioned vintage tournaments. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know... I mean, uh just kind of opens the door to something like that. I'm not saying that that's what they're doing or right. anything like that, but it does open the door to something like that in at least the distant future. Because at this point, starting with Innistrad, there will actually be tournament legal proxies. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Is, yeah, which is cool. And something for y'all to mill about and or mill, kick around in your old heads there. Uh, real quick, on the checklist, I just want to mention that one of the cards named – or one of the card names on the checklist is Garrick Relentless. So it looks – you know, uh, I guess all signs point to this being a Planeswalker that somehow transforms. It's going to be a functional reprint of Aaron the Relentless so they can get around the uh, – the, the um, Reserve list. 
reserve list because they've really been wanting to reprint Aaron the Relentless for a long time, and and they can't. So they released a green version called Garrick Relentless. It's just going to be exactly the same as Aaron the Relentless, um, except it's called Garrick. Only it's called Garrick the Relentless. It transforms into Aaron the Relentless. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's something, uh, very interesting there. And I'm sure we'll be getting that card, uh, pretty soon. I mean, obviously in the next few weeks, but I don't know, as far as these go, it just feels like a very, very clunky, inelegant solution to a really awesome mechanic. I mean, I think the transform mechanic is fantastic. I I think it does seem like the most obvious thing to do is like, okay, this transforms it, flip it over. Like, that's great. Except that players play with sleeves. And that's just awkward. Like I have to take my cards out or, or you don't play with sleeves and then you can't play with the card in your deck. You have to play it like to the side and play a checklist. And another thing that makes the checklist even more unattractive to me is the fact that I have to physically mark it. Like that irritates me too. I don't want to mark my card. I don't want to put a little pen mark on my card. That's irritating to me. I'm, I, maybe I'm, uh, (laughs) I'm just different, but I'm just saying like, I, think I, I don't like this personally, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get used to it. I'll, I, what I'll probably end up doing is just playing with the cards in the sleeves and flipping them over and putting them back in the sleeves, whatever. Like that's, that's the most likely scenario because I can't stand looking at an ugly checklist. The more I think about it. All right. So, uh, before we get to our interview with Pat Cox, just going to mention some upcoming events this weekend, of course, pro tour Philadelphia, I'll be there, uh, and uh, doing as much coverage as possible, probably taking some pictures like I did for uh, for Paris. Um, that's obviously September 2nd through the 4th. Um, I'll be there on Thursday night on the 1st and, uh, you know, hanging around, playing some cards. Uh, next weekend, September 10th and 11th, is uh, the Star City Games Open Series in Atlanta. And then the week after that, GP Montreal, which is limited. That's uh, September 17th and 18th. So that's what we have to look forward to in the coming weeks. Of course, the weekend after GP Montreal is the Innistrad pre-release, September 24th and 25th. And I know we're all looking forward to that. So um, stay tuned for our interview with Pat Cox. Until next week, we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start ruin. Hey everybody! I am uh, I'm joined here by Pat Cox, whose uh, whose name should be familiar to you if you've been paying attention to some things uh, of late over the summer. Uh, Pat, of course, won the, the Star City Invitational earlier this summer, back in June, um, and then followed that up with a top eight at the Pro Tour in Nagoya, um, and then went on to uh, to have a couple more pretty uh, pretty solid performances, winning in uh, in Richmond. Uh, the standard open, and then the next day, top eighting in the legacy open uh, for the Star City Open Series. So, welcome to the show, Pat. Yeah, how's it going? Um, so, I think uh, whenever whenever I hear your name, the first thing that comes to my mind is Zoo, and I think that's uh, <laughs> that's no surprise to you, I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty normal at this point, I guess. Yeah, uh, I heard you recently have the uh, acquired the original art for Wild Nacatl. Is yeah, that, 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 is that true? 
that was kind of the uh, the saving grace of nationals. I did not do very well, and um, I also don't necessarily like huge crowds, so Gen Con wasn't like necessarily my thing. Yeah, but I did manage to get the original art fall in the coddle, so it was worth the trip, I guess. Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, that's such a uh, such a staple card of kind of just aggro in general, but it's I think it's kind of zoos. Like face, I guess the face of Zoo, I would think is uh, is something like Wild Nacatl. Yeah, for um, sure. Kind of surprised that artwork was still available. Was it just the the artist was just there and had the had the art there, or? Uh... Uh, yeah, my my friend Billy P was walking around with his girlfriend and like saw it and was like, oh, I thought about buying it for you. Then I saw how much it was, so I was, thought I'd tell you and you could go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. That's it's cool to have like a, a piece of art that kind of really uh, kind of speaks to you as the type of player, like the type of decks you like to play. Um, speaking of which, just looking over some of your, your performances, it's like almost every other one. I'm looking at the Star City database and it's like, you know, Rug, Zoo, Valakut, Zoo, <laughs> White Weenie, Zoo, <laughs> like Zoo, every other every other deck. But even, even the other decks you choose are all very aggressive decks. So uh, obviously that's a kind of strategy that, that you like. Is there... Um, have you always pretty much just been very drawn to like the aggressive kind of decks? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm usually I I prefer to be the one like presenting the threat than as opposed to answering it. Like, I mean, of those decks you listed, like the the only deck I've ever done well with that was not like mm-hmm. like an aggro deck or like a deck that's like the aggressor was a uh, rug, right? And even then, I mean, I went like four three in the invitation with this. I get it so so great or five two, I guess. But you know. Not not some insane record, and it was powered by Inferno Titan and Jace, so you know. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, kind of a, a little bit different, but still, still sort of aggressive on the, uh, you know, playing like Lotus Cobra and things. You, were you was Lotus Cobra in that deck? That was the. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't wasn't playing the uh, the combo version. It was just uh, it was Lotus Cobra. Like the only real new card we had from when the the deck had already existed was um, Beast Within. Okay. Which is kind of sweet in the deck just because of, like, Inferno Titan and Lo- and uh, Jace both, like, kind of negate the token immediately. So I see. Um, actually, it looks like uh, my, my co-host just showed up, so he's, he's online. We'll add him into this conversation here. Uh, <laughs> oh, hello? All right, we're in the middle of recording, so... Uh, awesome. So I guess I just created you something to edit. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I've had the most crazy day, but anyway, I'll talk to you about that when we actually start the episode proper. Yeah, well, we're we're in the middle of the interview, so uh, we just kind of got started um, talking about like just Pat's uh, tendency towards aggressive decks. Word. Okay. Um, so obviously, this weekend is the Pro Tour. Like that's kind of the big big thing. There, there's actually two kind of big things going on right now. We have the Pro Tour coming up, and then Innistrad being rolled out. All the spoilers. Uh, before we get into the Pro Tour stuff, have you seen kind of all the uh, the Innistrad uh, news and and spoilers and things? Yeah, I uh, I haven't looked at like every single card or anything, but I I know about the the, the, the two sided cards. Yes, yeah, so actually, we're, I think on Saturday we were at dinner and like Kibler saw it on his phone. It was showing it to all of us, and like we didn't believe him. Like we thought it was some fake thing posted somewhere. Yeah, that was uh, that was my initial impression too. But uh, it's definitely surprising. What's your what's your take on it after uh, kind of thinking about it for a few days? Um, I don't know. I mean, like I think maybe for more casual players, it seems like it could be cool. Like it's kind of neat that they can flip over or whatever. But it seems kind of like a nightmare for playing competitive Magic. Like, I mean, for one thing, like 
even in a constructed deck, I now have to like know the text of the back of the card. Like, yeah, you know, I can't like take it out and look at it. I just told them what's in my hand. Right. But and then I don't know, like the fact that like actual dexterity is now important in drafting. Like, you know, you have to like pick your card real quick and then hide it under some other cards. Like, that's a little crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's definitely kind of thrown thrown things kind of uh, or shaken things up for sure. I, I kind of uh, it's it's like I want to trust wizards you know because they seem to they, they they make a good game but this kind of is i don't know it, <laughs> i know what you mean it, it seems like it could be very uh very difficult to get used to yeah it just seems sort of gimmicky i don't know like a lot of i mean usually you know there's a big like backlash to any change which announces and it ends up okay so i'm hoping that's the case this time right but it is so definitely like there's never been a thing where people can see what I picked in my draft. You know, that's a little strange. Yeah, definitely. It always reminds me of uh, that scene in Wayne's World where there's the little robotic hand and Garth's like, we fear change. And then just starts smashing the hand with a hammer. Is that, is that uh, your your initial reaction to the double face card? <laughs> no, that's just, just my reaction. That's just the, how, I, how I picture, like, the reaction to everything Wizards does that's new. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... Uh... I I don't know. I guess that's pretty accurate. <laughs> that always just yeah. pops in my head every time I think of it. Um, I, I mean, like, so, a lot of changes that may have been fine. You know, like, I was, I thought getting rid of combat damage was stupid, but it actually just kind of simplified things and hasn't really affected the game very much. So, yeah, that was definitely something there was a lot of backlash about, though. So maybe I'm wrong again. Yeah, it's, it's, I, go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, I, I know what you meant when you said that, but you just said that they got rid of combat damage. So, news flash, we just got this in. Uh, Wizards is getting rid of combat damage. You can no, only but, win uh, by milling now. <laughs> yes! It actually sounds like it would be more fun. I don't know. It would be completely <laughs> different. Not so many creatures. Uh, but then again, that's my play style. And, of course, Pat would uh, w- would have a problem, I think, with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd win too much. With that, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's let's talk about uh, Modern. First, um, Are you were you excited about Modern and the Pro Tour format change? Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, as you were just saying, you know, Zoo's kind of my deck. And that was, like, one of the few decks that was completely untouched. So I'm pretty excited to get to play Zoo on the Pro Tour again. Had you already, like, been testing for Extended at all? No, I was pretty lucky. I actually hadn't started testing it. So, like, uh, I guess right right before they announced that, uh, like, LSV had tweeted something like, oh, the Pro Tour is in three weeks. Guess I've got to start testing. And I, and I responded to him, like, I guess my plan of waiting till they uh, change it to Modern didn't work out. And then it did work out the next day. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Had, uh... Like so, who who are you actually testing with? Like, how are you testing and preparing? Um, for the um, with the other Floridians, so uh, David Sharfman, Billy P, uh, Antonino De Rosa, and then also my friend Orrin Beasley, who actually does not live in Florida, but I don't know, he's pretty good. So yeah, I got second in the Grand Prix earlier this year. Yeah, uh, definitely sounds like a, a solid solid group. Um, like as far as uh, the initial the initial look at the format, we really haven't had much to to go by as far as like it, that's the whole thing with modern or, or this pro tour anyway is how this format is so fresh that it's kind of the the best things we have to go on really are like a you know small amount of uh magic online results and then like maybe kind of looking at old extended from last year for yeah. like a base um and it, and it looks like uh a lot of kind of basically it looks like combo and aggro 
Um, is that kind of what you guys are seeing as well? Yeah, it seems like it's difficult for a control deck to exist in such an open format because you kind of have to know what you're answering, mm-hmm. you know? And especially when they got rid of, like, the best card draw engines of, you know, Jace and Visions, mm-hmm. like, you can't have a lot of dead cards in your deck. You have to have cards that actually are doing something. And, you know, combo decks have to be attacked on kind of a, a lot of different angles depending on which one they are. You know, you might have to kill a creature. You might have to stop them from casting multiple spells. You might have to stop, like, some specific expensive spell. Like, you really don't know. So right. I think... Like, why you're seeing all that is because you kind of have to be proactive. Like, you know, perhaps by the time we roll on to, to worlds and the format's more defined, a control deck can easily exist. Yeah. But right now it seems difficult. And even, like you said, aggro, it's like, there's not even a lot of aggro. I mean, you see, like, on Magic Online, there's a little bit of Zoo and there's a little bit of Affinity. Like, mm-hmm. there's the Affinity deck with Fling in it. But it's mm-hmm. mostly combo decks. Yeah, it's, so. it's like, uh, it's interesting because I think going into it, um, people, I, at least I felt like people were expecting more aggro uh, than even though they were talking about both combo and aggro as being like kind of the starting points because of just the the wide uh, card pool, be, you know, allowing for different combo decks to exist. But uh, you know, you're right; it does seem kind of like skewing more towards combo. I know one of the uh, one of the big kind of pillars, at least in uh, in the beginning, is the the Grove of the Burn Willows. Uh, punishing fires combo like how how much do you think that is affecting or how maybe how is that affecting uh your guys testing are you guys building with that in mind um no we kind of already figured out like pretty early that that doesn't actually matter because it it doesn't fit very well into like if it's in like control decks or like big zoo decks Mm -hmm. neither of those decks are good against combo decks and plus like people already kind of have in mind that like punishing fire is around right so like you're going to, like, not have your deck be super vulnerable to it, if possible. So I think kind of, like, it being good makes it bad almost, you know what I mean? Like, people are aware of it and aren't really building in a way that they're affected too much by it. So, yeah, I don't think that combo is necessarily that good. Like, I haven't really seen it in many decks when I've been playing on Moto. It, it kind like, of, what you just described actually sounds a lot like like post-Banning's Valakut, where everybody was expecting it to be, like, the deck, and then it didn't really show up because everybody was maybe more prepared for it and um i think that's i I was thinking that might be something similar here with with grove and uh and fires combo so that sounds sounds pretty close to that situation yeah i mean yeah valakit i don't know it was good for i guess one weekend when i when i won with it but other than that it was not like even last week and i played it did not do too well so yeah i mean it i think what it was like right after the bannings right in early july i think is you know it didn't i think the first tournament was in cincinnati and uh for for Star City anyway, yeah. um, and it was it didn't even show in the top eight or anything, and you know everybody was talking about why didn't they ban Valakit too because it's going to be you know the best deck, but obviously it's just just another another deck uh, at the top. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the actual deck to beat at the moment is uh, the twelve post deck. Mm-hmm. That's the deck that has had the most results on Magic Online. Um, I don't know, it's it's really good against aggro decks because you can just cast Removal Titan and gain like ten life or something. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty hard for them to come back from that, especially if you follow it up next turn with some kind of Eldrazi. So, it, I mean, it's kind of weak to combo. I don't necessarily know what their plan is against them. Like, especially, like, Storm kind of combo that can just be faster than them. But, uh, I don't know. I, I do think that deck is good. It will be, it could be the most played deck in the Pro Tour. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's, it seems right now, like, the, the Cloud Post text 
there's actually different variants. There's a lot of the green ones, I think, are the more explosive ones, like with the primeval titans and things. But there's even all the way up to like mono blue lists that uh, and. That was one I know Gavin uh, Verhe featured one in his article where he featured like 18 different decks. Um, and, and I t- tried testing that one myself. And the odd thing is while I'm playing it, uh, it kind of felt like I was playing Valakut because it was kind of like I'm just trying to search for certain lands to put on the on the board. And then when they're there, I win. It, it was a very, uh, very similar kind of feeling like how do you, do you see that kind of uh parallel there like i know you you're a fan of valakit so i don't know if you've played any of the uh the cloud post lists but are you seeing like similarities there yeah i mean i haven't actually like piloted cloud post but i've played against it a lot and uh we're actually talking about this earlier today because you know someone was saying like oh the I, I guess sharpman was saying like oh that deck's winning a lot why aren't we talking about just playing it and i could be wrong but just from my experience with valakit it seems like the mirror is probably just going to boil down to who cast Titan first. You know, people were suggesting like, oh, we could play Plowander for the mirror. It's like, well, I don't really know how the mana goes up, but if you're going to have six the same turn as five, you'd rather just cast Titan. Because like, if they yeah. cast Titan, then you cast Plowander, like who cares? You're already two behind, you know? So I don't know. It seems like unless you can figure out a good plan for the mirror, like I personally would not want to be playing that deck because the Valakut mirror is like a coin flip and that kind of seems what this will be like, but... Yeah, it's definitely similar things that I've heard. Uh, also, just the fact that the cloud posts themselves count the other ones, you know, on the other side of the board. It yeah, that, is, that seems a little like, hairy, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not something I want to have to be figuring out. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, what if he plays this land? Is he going to have a Titan next turn? Like, I don't know. You know. Right. That's kind of what, you know, that's kind of what me and Noyan were talking about, though, with Rune Snag. It's like, if you can get everyone on board to play Rune Snag, Rune Snag is counterspell in modern. Like, like he's got to get more people on board. Like, if you're playing 12 posts, of course you want people to play more border, or, not border posts. I'm so out of it. <laughs> you know, then we want them to play more locuses, right? Like, so if you get everyone together to play locuses and Rune Snags, then you have, like, this, like... I guess a really bad format, but still, like, <laughs> you know. I, I, like, if actual counterspell is illegal, I still think control will be bad. So, yeah, I don't know. We all just need to come together, you know, as one and play Rune Snag. It's just, <laughs> this is the campaign that me and Noyan are working on here, you know. Play Rune Snag so we can have counterspell, please. I mean, even if even if counterspell isn't good right now, I mean, like, down the road when everyone's playing Rune Snag, oh, yeah, score. <laughs> <laughs> you have not convinced me, but good luck convincing other people. Well, you're not going to play blue in your deck anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's all good. Yeah, uh, so I'm trying to kind of skirt around the possibility, like w- what you're actually playing, like trying not to uh, you know, make you reveal too much. But uh, the, assuming that Zoo is a, is the deck that you are, uh, are at least trying to play, that you, you want to play. Like what I mean, kind of good? What were you gonna say? Yeah, yeah. Zoo is what I want to play. If we if we come up with something else, and there's there's a couple other things that like are being thrown around, but like if none of that pans out, I want to be playing Zoo. Like if 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 it's like playing the Zoo versus some other known deck, I'm gonna play Zoo. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and then there's like the different variants, and you actually mentioned like uh you know slower like some of the versions are uh, a little too slow like the with the grove fires uh, combo i think you mentioned and then uh but there's like you know the real fast version that the saito zoo that you played in the grand prix last year that uh you did pretty well i think you top aided the one grand prix right and then you were 22nd at another one yep um so then you know then there's the kavu predator kind of uh kind of zoo uh fiery justice combo and uh 
even all the way up to like I guess you could consider well it, it's the biggest zoo I guess with uh Kibler or Ruben Zoo that Kibler won with uh last year in Austin like are there uh I, you seem to prefer like the the really fast the low low curve version is that still kind of what you're seeing as far as uh modern goes yeah I mean actually with the the Kibler Zoo I was making fun of him about that the other day you know he was like like, I was saying, oh, I have the best zoo list. And he said he has the best zoo list. And I was like, yours probably has Baneslayer Angel in it, so it's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, like, I don't think the big versions are good because they're, they're basically good for the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, like, even though it seemed like Zoo's going to be, like, the most popular deck, I don't think that's actually going to be the case. And even if it is, like, the format's so open, I, I doubt it will crack 10%. So, like, I don't think you really want to be tuning your deck to be good for the mirror when it's worse against everything else. Like, Night of the Royal Aquary is not very good. It's too slow. It's kind of like in Legacy. Like, you just don't need a creature that's that big. You don't really want to be spending three mana on that. You know, you'd rather just display two or three spells with that three mana. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know if Tribal is necessary or not. Like, we've been testing both Tribal and not. But uh, something along those lines is pretty good. Like, you don't have to worry about, like, Wasteland or anything. So you can just have four or five colors in your deck and really the only thing is you're dealing damage to yourself right um and molten rain is pretty good also i don't know if it's going to be main deck or sideboard but it helps against cloud post so yeah so when you say tribal you mean like tribal flames like domain is that yes you're, you're talking okay um why is everything that you guys are saying sound like chocolate rain to me Molten rain. <laughs> when you play it, you won't feel the same tribal flames. <laughs> I don't know. Man, you, I don't know. What were you I'm drinking just, on that bus? Oh my God, dude. Like I was on jury duty from eight in the morning until four and then walk straight to work and work till nine. So that's been my day. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that sounds pretty miserable. Yeah. And like jury duty by jury duty, I mean, sit in a room all day duty and not do anything not even get called to sit in another room just sit in the one room until it was time for me to leave and run down to work and just keep keep grinding in a, in a way in my way in my hometown <laughs> way so that's what i've been i've been grinding all day man it's been nuts yeah you kind of seem a little fried <laughs> I, I am but it's cool we're gonna power through this man <laughs> So, uh, so Pat, as far as like uh, you were mentioning multiple colors in zoo, like what do you think about Dark Confidant uh, in the zoo list? Uh, I don't think he's very good. Like uh, when I talk to uh, like my friends that are like on Channel Fireball and stuff, that we obviously can't really talk about specifics. We can just talk about generalities of the format, right? And like that was something we could all like freely say. Like Dark Confidant is not good in this format, you know? Like I, it's just it's, it's too slow. Like you're not. You're not gaining any advantage really from it because the games are going to be over like turn five at latest. Mm-hmm. And you'd rather just be playing a two drop that actually does something like Gaddock Teague or Quasali Pride Mage. Cool. Like I don't even know what deck Confidant would be good in right now. Yeah, I mean the my initial thought is like to put it in something like Zoo, but I'm not an aggro player. Like putting it in Zoo seems like a great way to keep the, the aggro decks kind of fueled. Um, but I mean if like you're you- playing against control decks that would be true right playing against combo decks so yeah that definitely makes a lot of sense the way you put it as far as you're likely not going past turn five um so i guess you know in general uh looking at modern and going into this weekend what exactly do you think the format's going to look like 
Uh, well, I mean, I think probably number one and two played decks will be 12 post and zoo. Okay. And then I think there'll just be a lot of, a variety of combo decks. I mean, there, there's a lot of options out there. Like, you know, there's the storm decks, there's like protein Hulk decks. I mean, I guess that affinity fling deck is sort of like a combo deck. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think there will probably be some people trying to play control and like gifts type decks. Mm-hmm. Like I think gifts is probably the best quote unquote card draw engine that is available at the moment, but I'm not really anticipating that doing very well. So I don't know. I guess we'll kind of like, I would like the format to shape up more. So there's a normal like aggro combo control type thing. Right. So hopefully this weekend kind of does that or they, if it doesn't, they continue to, you know, tweak the bannings and all that. So it does. But speaking of the band list, what did you think of that? Well, I mean, just as like, I want to play zoo. I was pretty happy because they banned a bunch of cards that were good against it. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really thought was weird on it was Ancestral Visions. I didn't really know that that needed to be banned. I was also kind of surprised that, like, uh, like Dark Depths was banned. I don't know. Like, it kind of seems like they're just trying to make it have to be a completely different format than anyone we've seen, you know? Yeah. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't really care if they kind of arbitrarily ban cards so it doesn't look like Legacy or, like, you know, Extended did a year and a half ago or whatever. Like, that's more interesting, so. For sure. Yeah, it definitely seems uh, like that was that was one of my kind of well. At first, you look at the band list and and uh, you look at this format and you're you're like, wow, modern and this is so crazy. And then you realize, isn't this almost the same format that they got rid of a year ago? But yeah, uh, they they definitely rebranded it. You know, it's like it's the because these are the same sets that were legal in the Grand Prix that were extended last year. Right. So it's, it's like identical. The only difference is we have more sets and we have uh, now it's not rotating. So I think moving forward, it's going to look like a completely different format. But at you know at this point, I think part of what they're doing with the band list is trying to make it different from that because it is so similar. If you don't ban things like you know. Uh, what, the sword of the meek or whatever uh you know the thopter depths combo kind of things so uh, yeah and i mean i'm okay with that like and like you said i i did very well in that old format so i, I like the format but i'm right. okay with them changing it because i i don't think most people liked it it wasn't very played so so uh what we know of next year's grand prix schedule looks like they're adding like a ton of grand prix and then we've of course got like things like the scg open series which you seem to be uh pretty big fan of going to those like what uh how do you feel like i guess as a player who who goes to the open series events and then obviously wants to play in grand prix what's your uh what's your plan at least for uh for trying to decide between those two well i mean to be honest i uh i haven't really gone to all that many opens like i've i went to like i guess three of them i went to orlando and atlanta and then richmond just because i'm from arlington okay so I just, I guess, happened to uh, to do well in a lot yeah. of ones I went to, so it might seem like I go to a lot of them. <laughs> I guess that's but, what uh, it is, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I haven't been to too many of them. I mean, it's very, it's an awesome series, but it's just kind of like, uh, you know, like I'm I'm on the train and stuff, and between like the pro tour and like all of those, it's it's already pretty difficult to go to all of them. So yeah, yeah. it's going to be even even harder next year. I'll certainly try and make it to any Star City events that are are near me, mm-hmm. and I think it's possible because of how many Grand Prix there are, like. If there's a Star City event on the East Coast versus a Grand Prix on the West Coast, maybe I'll just go to the Star City event. Right. But in general, I'm probably going to air on the side of Grand Prix. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to go to all the Grand Prix next year. Like, currently, I go to all of them, but there's, like, seven in the first three months. That's insane. So, I don't know. In Nagoya, uh, you actually – you top-aided there with uh, 
Well, you top eight. It was draft, but you top eighted your your block deck was pure steel paladin. Yep. Uh, I guess you know right now it's kind of it seems like such a moot point at this point to to talk about standard since we're basically losing you know the majority of the card pool. But going into a new right. standard is that like do you, how do you feel about pure steel paladin as a starting point? Uh, or what do you see as a possible starting point for a, a new standard? Uh, obviously, it's a little bit tough to tell what, what, what things are going to look like uh, because Innistrad is not available yet, and we don't know what all the cards are. But, you know, a lot of times it seems like the best starting point is to look at block decks. Yeah, I mean, I think, like like you said, that Pure Steel Paladin deck, I mean, it. some people have actually been playing it in standard already, and it's done decent, or at least Caleb Durward, I guess, only has done decent with it. But, you know, so... It, it's already kind of a deck. I could I could see it becoming a standard deck. I mean, one kind of an issue with that deck is it was mostly a, a metagame kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, the two main decks in that format were uh, Tempered Steel and then, like, a mono-red control-type deck. And right. obviously, pro-white, pro-red sword is insane against those decks. So having four copies in there with Pure Steel is kind of, like, our whole plan. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it could be a deck. I think probably... The early go-to deck will be Tempered Steel. I mean, it was awesome yeah. in block. It was definitely the most powerful deck. So I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be ported easily to standard. It's already a standard deck. But, you know, who knows? Could be, like, mono-green werewolves or whatever the hell they're doing. So Right, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, we're getting up to the end here. I, I guess one uh, last question. Just as uh, as pretty much a zoo expert I, w- I would consider you because that does seem like your deck um you you've played it in legacy to to good uh good performances in legacy you played it in extended you're testing it in modern at least uh we can't exactly say if you're playing it or not but at this point but um how different are these kind of versions like how how much different are they besides like the mana base do you have is there like a switch kind of mentally that you have to make uh, while playing like in different formats, or is it pretty much just all right? I have I have uh, shock lands instead of dual lands, or or whatever. Um, well, I mean, like actually playing the games out is very similar, but like how you construct your deck definitely is dependent on the format. You know, like like in old extended, like there was enough zoo around that things like Nether Elk are actually necessary because it's just this huge trump in the mirror. And like you know, at Grampy Oak, and I even had like main deck uh, Ranger of Eos just as another mirror trump. But like in something like Legacy, where the format's so open, I think that's kind of like modern too. Like you just kind of want to have your game plan of just be as aggro as possible, you know? Okay. And like also in Legacy right now, because of mental misstep, combo is almost non-existent, so you don't have to really worry about having like hate bears and stuff on your sideboard. Mm-hmm. Whereas in modern, like combo is everywhere, so you know, there's definitely gonna be some Ethers, Sworn Canis, and Gag Teagues and stuff in my sideboard, like. uh yeah, I don't know. So it's it's not like that the actual how you play the deck changes very much. It's just kind of how you construct the deck changes a lot. Yeah, it's funny how mental misstep. It's kind of it it both helps you and hurts hurts you. You know, like you they don't have mental misstep in modern, so it seems like it's a good thing for Zoo. But then it lets the combo decks kind of be there to to prey on uh, on the aggro decks a bit. Yeah, so. that, it's it's a, it's a little deceptive. Like people would always tell me in Legacy, you know, like oh, mental misstep's really bad for you. It's like no, it stops a bunch of combo decks, which are bad matchups, and lets you play against a bunch of fair decks, which you want to do. So, like it, like yeah, it one for one you, but it's whatever. You have like thirty one casting cost cards in your deck, you right? Know? So you just just power through it, like just kind of outnumber their their mental missteps, I guess. Yep. 
do do you prefer legacy with or without mental misstep? Because I know that's a kind of controversial topic right now. Well, kind of for the reason I just said, because it made Zoo way better. Mm-hmm. I prefer it with it. Okay. I kind of understand people's problem with it is, you know, it's like it's oppressive to a lot of other decks and it's in like basically every top eight deck mm-hmm. except for when I top eight. So I kind of <laughs> – I, I get why people are complaining. But for me personally, it has been good, you know, because I was already playing Zoo just I like it. And, you know, I, I still like did top eight some and stuff, but it was a lot harder. Like I had to play th- against things like High Tide, which is just like I should never win. So Right. Cool. Uh I guess uh if is there anything else that you wanted to add or any any uh I don't I know you 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 write for Star City occasionally. Yeah, I am kind of trying to write about once a month or so right now just cuz like I have a full-time job and travel a lot for magic so it's not too feasible to write weekly. But uh I don't know. Like I would like to write more actual articles as opposed to just tournament reports, but mm-hmm. so far it's sort of worked out that like once a month is when I do well in tournament and write a report. So I don't know. Hopefully eventually I'll come up with something real to say. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Joe, is there anything you wanted to uh, wanted to add or ask? Uh, no, I'm good to go. All right. Cool. Well, thanks, Pat. I appreciate having you uh, you coming on to the show, and um, definitely wish you luck this this weekend in uh, in Philadelphia. I'll, I'll be there, so uh, I'll, I'll probably run into you. Um, All right. Cool. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'll see you there. Sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man.